What the frick is up, folks? Um, I know it's been a while. I was trying to write a fucking blog this morning, and I was like, this shit is taking too long. Just gonna record a podcast, because then I can just talk out my thoughts, and it's gonna make it so much easier than trying to write out my thoughts, but then going back and correcting them so that it makes sense and everything like that, which... I don't know if you've ever read my blog, but that certainly isn't something that I do often, correcting my mistakes. I kind of just go through and write a stream of consciousness, which is fine for some, but I've certainly found, especially over the last few days, having discussions with people, that that isn't always the most understandable way of expressing my opinions. <coughs> so I, uh, I feel like podcasting about it is going to be the, the better choice. So... What I was, uh, what I was trying to write about was basically, one, neoliberalism, just kind of talking about it, you know, and then the second being, um, the fact that right now what we're seeing is not a system in decline, it is not a failing system, this is actually precisely what <coughs> many people, including Marx, um, said would happen. This is, um, yes, is it technically for you and I capitalism in decline? Sure. But for everybody that's always mattered, <coughs> which, again, not you and I, um, capitalism is actually thriving right now. Uh, people like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, they were able to, uh, add quite a bit of quite a bit of uh, money to their uh, net worth over the first few months of quarantine, and probably even still, um, when everybody had to stay home. And it, it, it's funny how you and I had to go back to work because, you know, the economy was failing. But yet, somehow or another, these billionaires were making boatloads of fucking money. Boatloads. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to discuss in this podcast and uh, try to sort out in our heads. So, I'm sure if you are listening to this, you probably are at the very least um, not a conservative. Um, if you are, welcome. Hopefully you uh, like the show. And we can uh, have a discussion here. But um, most likely you're probably a leftist. You're probably, you know aware of the things that I'm going to say in this episode. I am kind of writing this episode and doing this episode for those of us, like, coming to leftist thought, because I've really had to check myself lately, and I'm honestly surprised I'm going to admit this, but it, it <clears throat> it's come to my attention that I, I need to be more serious about leftist thought. I have to read some more theory. I have to kind of, you know, do my research and understand these things because a lot of my understanding of government, a lot of my understanding of politics, a lot of my understanding of really, well, you're not going to be able to hear me. Fucking six semi-trucks going by at one time. Cool. But um, my understanding of all these things in the world is exclusively through experience. Um, a lot of it isn't my own experience. You know, I talk to a lot of people about the shit that they're struggling with. I found it my job, actually, 
that it's kind of a weird bridge to get between like because I get a lot of super Republican conservatives that come into my store for like you know cigars or you know cigarettes or whatever um and that mostly just has to do with our area but also at the same time it has to do you know with the kind of people's understanding of the world around them so a lot of times if they come in and they're complaining about the economy or anything like that because like especially right now cigar tax just went up to 75 percent so a lot of people are all pissed off about that so I've had multiple people call it communism. Like this one guy, I was over, st I was standing over by the humidor with him, and um, I uh, pointed to the sign that said, because we've had people yell at us, like outright yell at us that we're like stealing from them, like we're making it all up. Um, but like I also have a lot of people who just basically get pissed about it in general which i can usually use that bridge the gap and be like yeah man it sucks it's a, you know it's all about the the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer and that's usually what i'll keep it to because at least to that they can agree and we kind of have this uh what, what's the word for rapport i think is the word sorry i'm like pretty high um but like uh yeah, so, like, at work, I'm able to kind of bridge that gap. And with a lot of people, I feel like, you know, the world around them right now is being called into question. And I think this is a time where you and I need to... And you, I say you and I. I'm, I'm speaking mostly, like, people who want to, you know, have discussions about this with people. And really, just anybody who wants the information. Uh, we have to be willing to, I've said this before now, uh, we have to be willing to be teachers right now. And so that's kind of what I'm going with. And then also what I was saying earlier was I've kind of put myself in check. Like, I speak with a lot of ego. I speak with a lot of uh, perceived intelligence. But there's been multiple times um, that I've been called out on my ignorance for a few things. There's multiple times where I've, you know, kind of thought that I understood a concept and then, you know, to my attention, uh, somebody, or I should say somebody brings to my attention the fact that I am wrong. And so, because it's happened so frequently in these last probably like two, three weeks, I really want to take this time to kind of fall back onto the basics, kind of reroute myself, uh, reground my foundation, and the, this time really focus on, like, comprehension. Not simply knowledge for the sake of facts to spit them out, but really comprehension, because beyond anything else, the, the most important thing that we as leftist thinkers can do is know how to take a situation and really mull it over and find the best solution for everybody. Because, I mean, I don't care what you think, whether you think there's going to be a leftist revolution, whether you think we're going to sit here in limbo and neoliberalism for the next, you know, let's see, how many years did they say we have left? Seven? Uh, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, if our goal as leftists is to try to bring leftist government to existence in this country and in this world, then what we have to realize is that there is a billion layers that you and I can't even begin to think of that we will need to address. Um, 
And so because of that, I think it's important for us all to, you know, every so often, you know, kind of bring ourselves back down to the first peg, tier number one, and, try, you know, rebuild ourselves, reroute ourselves. Um, and because I, again, never really from the beginning was a academia type, um, most of my understanding of all of this is based off of experience, and therefore I really have no foundation. So, although I do understand a lot of these concepts, I feel that the most important thing that I can do is not just understand them, but comprehend them. Like, really understand. Like, really... It's funny that I <laughs> use the word. You get it. You get it. But, um... Yeah, so today we're going to talk about kind of, um... Liberalism... Uh, and we'll, we'll kind of discuss the difference between, like, classical liberalism, um, like, John Adams, um, and, like, American liberalism, because, as has been pointed out by my friend Matt Abreu, shout out Matt, I'm gonna send you this episode, so, you know, I'm not just shouting you out to people who have no fucking clue who you are, he called out some of my understandings about liberalism, and pointed to the fact that, you know, the liberalism that exists today is not at all classical liberalism. I agree, and here's my concession to you. I hope that you accept. Um, so yeah, classical liberalism, as understood by many, you know, um, I would say educated liberals, um, and a lot of libertarians, especially, uh, I found, is uh, this idea that, you know, here, let me hit up Google. So you, you go to Wikipedia, and I know some people don't trust Wikipedia, but at the same time, like one of my friends pointed out, if somebody's got the time to go through here and edit all of Wikipedia, then there's a chance that all of our information is wrong. So who the fuck cares at this point, right? I doubt anybody's going on the liberalism Wikipedia and going to town. But uh, according to Wikipedia, liberalism, so this is classical liberalism, is a political and moral philosophy based on liberty, consent of the governed, and equality before the law. Liberals espouse a wide array of views depending on their understanding of these principles, but they generally support free markets, free trade, limited government, individual rights, capitalism, democracy, secularism, gender equality, racial equality, internationalism, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and freedom of religion. Um, and then, I don't know why, but Wikipedia decided to throw in a little factoid here. Yellow is the political color most commonly associated with liberalism. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so classical liberalism. And as it said, just like any other political ideology, there's multiple different sects, multi multiple different, you know, versions of liberalism. Because a lot of times, and you can see this with things like religion as well, a lot of times you have people who, you know, kind of take problem with a certain teaching or a certain part of a religion, and therefore they'll kind of go off on their own end and kind of make up their own religion. That's how we got Protestantism. That's how we got most of our modern religions. Uh, or modern versions of our religions, I should say. But, uh, yeah, so that's classical liberalism. And now, of course, as 
Matt pointed out, um, American liberalism, which I'm going to Google as well, um, because it again, it it's different. It's American liberalism, like any other, you know, 2020 version of anything, is different. But so, according to the, just this quick Google, um, the uh, it says uh, liberalism in the United States is a broad political philosophy centered on the unalienable rights of the individual, and I think that that actually, oddly enough, is like the perfect way to put that, because. I mean, really, that's all it is. I mean, liberalism in this country is a, for certain, a political philosophy. I would argue that uh, even neoliberalism in this country is just uh, a hollow shell, um, but we'll get there. Uh, liberalism in this country is a political philosophy centered on the unalienable rights of the individual. I mean, look at how, you know, probably your uncle is reacting to having to wear a mask when he goes into the uh, Home Depot. You know, this is a, this is a, what are these, I can't think of the proper word. Oh, this is a, um, infringement. This is an infringement on my rights talking about having to wear a mask because they quote-unquote can't breathe. I could go, I could go to town on that right there. Many people have. But, um, basically this is the belief that we have in this country that anytime we are made to do something that we don't necessarily want to do, uh, it's an infringement on our rights. And that's because what liberalism really espouses is essentially life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is why we founded our country on those, you know, characteristics. But at the same time, we seem to lack an understanding of what life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness actually means. I mean, if you look at it just based off of the specific words that exist, life, all right, the freedom to live, liberty, the freedom to be free, and then, of course, pursuit of happiness, to be happy. Uh, and not for nothing, I mean, these are three things that kind of are the backbone to every, you know, uh, socially organized government. Uh, I don't want to say democracy because, I mean, realistically, as we know, there's very few democracies that actually exist in the world. But, I mean, you get the point. Um, and so looking at just just the words, looking at those just for what they mean, um, that would mean that every single person in this country who is a citizen, which, don't even get me started, but every single person who is in this country and is a citizen is guaranteed unalienable rights to one, the ability to live, so I personally would take that as the ability to live out their life independent of any outside influence, you know. Uh, liberty, freedom, the ability to be an individual, the ability to pursue your, you know, want your wants and needs and everything like that. Your ability to do that freely. Uh, and then pursuit of happiness, of course, your ability to live a happy life um, as an independent, self-sustaining person. So, 
to anyone, I would feel like liberalism sounds great, obviously. Um, that's the way most political philosophy is written, is it's meant to be appealing. Because you have to first get someone to think, you know what, this kind of sounds like a good idea, to actually go out, go about explaining it to them, and even especially to have them, you know, pursue actually the creation of that. But so I would say liberalism sounds really good off the top. But right away, one thing that becomes problematic is when you look at the fact that if that is true, if every single human being on this earth is guaranteed, as every single human being in this planet, sorry, I misspoke, every single human being in this planet who is a citizen is guaranteed these rights, then what happens when something like, I don't know, a global pandemic happens? Okay. Well, first we're going to completely, we'll say, uh, suspend over half of the economy. We are going to put millions of people out of a job. Um, we're going to give them some help. You know, a lot of people who did get unemployment got, <clears throat> got some help, you know. Uh, if you're a single person or maybe you're a young person who's just kind of working a part-time job, you kind of did good for yourself. Uh, if you're an adult with a mortgage and a car payment and three children, uh, you're probably drowning right now. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll give them some help. And then what we'll do is three months in, we'll realize that <clears throat> because of the way that we structure our economy, uh, we actually can't close down a bunch of stuff because where are we going to get our money from okay so let's open everything back up but we'll we'll open everything back up with you know safety measures to make sure everyone is safe well uh as it uh, everything else you know because we got a lot of laws in this country and believe it or not not every single person in this country follows every single law i know scandalous <clears throat> but so you have uh, this specific archetype of people in this country who, let's just say, uh, take it upon themselves to really be a demonstration of liberty, like a physical embodiment of pure freedom, because uh, they actually will not wear their mask in Home Depot. And if you say anything to them, they will throw a tantrum like a six-year-old because um, they're super cool and a patriot, you know? Um, so obviously in this one example, we can see how someone's unalienable rights would be stripped from them. I mean, <clears throat> not for nothing, someone might have the you know, liberty to not wear a mask in Walmart because they don't want to. Um, I also have the liberty to not die of a uh, easily contractable disease, um, which they might be carrying. Uh, someone like our president, who actively knows he has coronavirus, yet is attempting to campaign, and I've been trying to both keep up and not keep up on that story because it's cancer, but it's also cancer. So, like, you know what I'm saying? But, um, I mean, the last time I knew he was having discussions about wanting. 
about wanting to continue his campaign. Um, if you have someone like that who has a contractible disease and goes to a campaign and campaigns with a contractible disease and kills people, that is our president actively um, infringing upon those people's rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because guess what? They're fucking dead. And we could go into a bunch of different discussions about a million different things, like how your freedoms are usually a direct uh, infringement on my freedoms, and then therefore whose freedoms are ranked as more important, and whose freedoms are to be uh, valued, and whose freedoms are to be uh, invalidated. Not the objective of this podcast. Uh, what I want to discuss is the <clears throat> enigma that is um, the mentality of the average American citizen in this country. But before we get there, I want to also discuss neoliberalism and kind of American liberalism together. Um, so, what is neoliberalism? Let me hit a fat Google search right here neoliberalism definition <laughs> the second uh, suggested is neoliberalism and COVID <clears throat> so neoliberalism is the 20th century resurgence oh sorry according to Wikipedia I know we have a problem with this but neoliberalism is the 20th century resurgence of the 19th century ideas associated with economic liberalism and free market capitalism it is generally associated with policies of economic liberalization, including privatization, deregulation, globalization, free trade, austerity, and reductions in government spending in order to increase the role of the private sector in the economy and society. However, the defining characteristics of neoliberalism in both thought and practice have been the sub subject of substantial scholarly debate. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically, if you didn't really get that, it's essentially private economy is better than government spending. That's neoliberalism. Uh, and because of that, we have created this new idea of liberalism in this country especially, which is the idea that if it is open to the free market, uh, it is good. If it is government, it is bad. Um, but I mean, let, let's really analyze this real quick. So, the private sector, right? The free market. Let's look at something maybe like um, delivery services. So, you got your post office, UPS, FedEx, what other ones? Probably some other ones. You got Amazon who uses these services, but is also actively creating their own service. Because I don't know if you guys saw, but they actually got the approval to deliver packages with drones. Um, which I don't know if they've been doing that for a while. I could have swore that they were, but whatever. Um, so yeah, so you got your delivery services. Now, of course, a lot of people in this country love the post office. Uh, it is one government uh, agency that has always had a positive uh, rating. I believe they have a 93% uh, 
positive rating right now. Um, but you have something like the post office, which is a gov or was a government operated institution. Then you have UPS, FedEx, and all your other private ones. And then you have places like Amazon. Uh, so Amazon is you know one of the biggest wholesale retailers in in the entire world if not the largest uh, they also are like I said actively working on trying to uh, create their own delivery service to essentially make it so they don't have to use UPS FedEx and the post office uh, they are extremely rich. Their owner, Jeff Bezos, we've talked about him on the show multiple times. He is one of the richest people in the world. Um, and because of this, I don't know if you know that this is kind of how economy works, or I should say economics works, but when one person has a lot, a lot of money and everybody else doesn't, that means they can spend a lot a lot of more money than the rest of the people can so let's not even talk about the post office right now let's talk about say UPS Amazon could probably if if they really wanted to get a delivery service off the ground right now Amazon could probably pay for I would guess at least 10 times more delivery trucks than UPS can pay for it to be created in a year um, Amazon can also probably pay um, you know, uh, some extra fees to break some uh, labor laws. They can pay some extra litigation fees and stuff like that. They can also pay for a lot of ads, which we are seeing now, which is extremely dystopian. Uh, you never see ads for... Well, actually, no, I think that that's not true because you had the post office ad. But, I mean, you see Amazon ads all the time. You know what I'm saying? Um, everybody loves Amazon. That's fine. That's it's not up to the individual consumer to hate the the way that they consume because I mean they have to consume. Um, Amazon can make all of their products dirt cheap and still make a massive profit. Um, Amazon also gets a shit ton of money from the government because Amazon can afford to pay lobbyists, can afford to pay politicians, can afford to have people in their corner. You know. Uh, UPS can't, and another company that can't, and it's weird that you have to call them a company now, but another company that can't afford to do that is the post office. Do you guys all remember about a month ago when we were all freaking out saying that we have to buy, you know, stamps in order to keep the post office alive? Um, yeah, that's not how the post office is supposed to work. But because I believe it's in the early 2000s, the post office was actually privatized and is its own business technically. Does it still receive money from the government? Yes, but uh, it is not a government-run institution as it once was. So now because they are a part of the private sector, but they have never, ever, ever in their entire history turned a profit because that is not the objective of the post office. The post office's objective is to deliver the post. Because they've never turned a profit, they are literally fucking drowning and about to go bankrupt. Well, they petition to get money from the government, and they don't, because people don't like it when the government spends money. They don't like it. 
They do not like it, especially in America. But yet, when the government actively gives money to companies like Amazon, to Tesla, to Walmart, to all of these huge corporations, so that they can therein take that money and develop more products for our own consumption or our own leisure, um, we love it. So that's super cool because it makes a million uh, percent sense. So to kind of walk away from just simply that, let's talk about the private sector. Let's talk about the free market. A lot of people in my life uh, who I speak to often are extremely supportive of capitalism. Most Americans are. I mean, you can get whatever you want, you know, you can go to the grocery store, there's 30 different kinds of cereal, um, you can go down the street, go to whatever fast food place you want, you can watch TV and there's a billion channels, you can order something online and get it delivered straight to your house, you know, capitalism is great, it makes life easy, right? But if you are uh, one who is supportive of capitalism because of the free market and how everybody is quote-unquote free to participate in the free market, then here's a little nugget of truth for you. First of all, um, and I'm, I'm not even going to just bluff this, I'm going to actively Google this while recording. So who owns most cereal? So, there is two companies, basically, who own cereal. You have Kellogg's and you have Post um, in America. I mean, I don't really know how it works in other countries, but in America, you have two companies that really own cereal. The other one I said fast food. Um, I mean, that one's not really one owner gets all the money, but all the owners of fast food kind of have this agreement with one another. And you can see that at um, every street corner where there is fast food. I mean, whenever there's a McDonald's, there's usually going to be a Wendy's. There probably will be, if not a Wendy's, there will be a Burger King. There might be an Arby's. There might be a KFC. There might be a Dunkin' Donuts. There might be a million other, you know, fast food spots. And basically, the way that it works is they kind of have an agreement with one another that when one develops in an area, the rest of them do. And it beca it's because it is the one example where capitalism actually does quote-unquote create competition. Except the competition is not between companies who aren't already making billions of dollars. And that's kind of where the problem lies. Um, when it comes to media, uh, six companies really own... Um, all the media that you and I uh, consume. So what six companies own media? So you have National Amusements, Disney, Time Warner, or now Spectrum, Comcast, News Corp, and this one says Sony, but I don't think that that's true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Spectrum or Time Warner, 
Disney, Viacom, News Corp, CBS, and NBC Universal. Those are, the, this other one was written in oh, 2012. That would be why. Um, but yeah, so you have really you have your six companies that own all of the media that you and I consume. Now, is there a billion different channels you can watch? Yeah. And they all say that they're produced by different channels. You know what I mean? You got MSNBC, CNN, Fox, uh, WKTV, TWC, News, um, which I don't think exists anymore. I think it's Spectrum News now. You got uh, a, a million different news channels. But I don't know if you guys remember seeing the clip a while ago where it's like the 120 different news channels all reading off the same script. That right there is a clear example of the fact that literally all of the media that you and I consume is produced by only six different companies. Uh, so is there competition between the channels you can watch yeah is there competition between you know maybe the production companies that make movies yeah is there competition between book publishers yeah but all the money that's made during that quote-unquote competition goes to the same six different companies now here is where the problem of the free market uh, kinda comes to fruition because simply due to the way that our economy and our you know society is structured people can be born with more money than other people and because of that those people are able to do more things than those who don't money don't have money can do because in a capitalist society everything costs money you got to go to the doctor you got to pay an insurance fee you got to go to school you got to pay for tuition you got to pay for books you got to pay for gas to get there or a room and board you uh crash your car but you got to get to work because you got to pay for everything guess what you got to pay for that so if you are born with a lot of money you can afford to pay these expenses and still have leftover money to pursue wants and you know endeavors whereas if you're someone who was born with not a lot of money all of your money goes to simply survival and not even really survival a lot of times because I I don't I mean I can't speak for everyone but what are you and I surviving on a bunch of processed ass food not enough sleep we're workaholics, we're addicted to, if not caffeine, probably marijuana, because we have to forget about all the shit that's going on in our life. Um, if that's what surviving is, then I don't really want to fucking do that, because, I mean, I'm fucking sad, and supposedly I'm surviving. Um, my girlfriend wants to say something. Um, hello, podcast. Good morning. Um, I would also like to say that I'm sad. I would also like to say that I can't afford my life, and I would also like to say that I am addicted to marijuana. I hope you have a good day. Thank you. Okay. I love you. I love you. Um, yeah, so because everything in this country costs money, our survival costs money, if you are born with, you know, not the most upright, uh, I, I 
I don't know how to put it. If you're not born with a lot of money, you're kind of low-key fucked in this country. Um, and, I mean, that's a crude way of putting it, I guess, but it's true. Um, I mean, I'm 21 years old, and I was born into... Uh, well, I wasn't born into. I, I was adopted, but I enjoyed a pretty privileged middle-class life my entire life. A couple of weeks back, I couldn't afford groceries two weeks in a row. So, I mean realistically it, just because you're born with money doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be able to enjoy the fruits of that because everything in this country is getting more and more expensive so what used to be quote-unquote middle class you know didn't even really exist then but especially doesn't exist now um but yeah so the free market is kind of predicated on this idea that everyone is at this equal playing field you know what i mean like Everyone in this country has the same freedom to participate in the free market. You are free to participate in the free market. You Listen, there's nobody going to be stopping you from opening up a business, except for the codes department, probably the bank, because you won't be able to get a loan big enough, the government, because, you know, maybe the thing that you want to do is against the law. Um, you know, maybe you want to open a weed dispensary in a state where it's not legal. No guess you're not free to do that but I mean we're all free right and we can all participate in the free market except like 90% of us cannot afford to participate in the free market are we all equally free to participate in the free market yes but freedom and this is kind of my overall point with this podcast freedom is predicated on not simply equality before the law, but equity before the law. The difference being, and I, I kind of feel like some people might recognize this meme description, but there's a picture where there's like three kids trying to see over a wall. One of them says equality, and like none of them has uh, fucking like a, a, a thing to stand on to see over the fence. Uh, freedom, there's like the one kid that has three books to stand on and the other two kids have nothing. And then equity, the taller of the kid has uh, two books, the shortest has four, and the middle one has three so that they can all see over the fence at the same level. And that's kind of the difference of what equality and equity is, especially when it comes to economics. Because, as we know, not everyone in this country is born into the same situation. Not everyone in this country, especially in this world, is born into a lavish life of, you know, success, survival, and happiness. A lot of people in this country born and die without ever seeing a day where they're not drowning in debt. Um, and that, because that exists, there needs to be, one, equitable uh, problem solvings. So if someone is born to be more poor than someone else, those people should receive more assistance. That just makes sense. Um, but there also needs to be a removal of the very system that perpetuates itself as equal, but yet does not participate in any form of equality. 
to kind of skip away from the economic side and speak more socially, um, you and I also know that not everyone in this country is equal. Not all men are created equal in the eyes of this country's government and lawmakers. I mean, not for nothing, but Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, I could list off a million names as proof of the inequality in this country. But really even beyond that, like specific happenings of, you know, inequality, look at how you and I have to navigate life. If you are born with not a lot of money, most of your life will be spent having to try to earn money. If you are born with a lot of money, you are able to actually live. That right there is the truest form of inequality in this country that could ever exist because our key characteristics are life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. But there is only one subset of individuals that actually gets to live in this country. Again, you and I get to survive and survive on bullshit. But there are people in this country and in this world who actually get to live their lives, who get to pursue what makes them happy, who get to uh, indulge in their wants, who get to live life as human beings deserve to live it. Not for nothing, but not only are we proposed as being the richest country in the world, but there were systems that existed far, far before things like wealth did that allowed everyone to enjoy life as a human being as they deserved. I mean, look at Native American culture prior to colonialization. I would argue that, that those are some of the most at-peace, happy people that have ever existed. So, I mean, basically what I'm trying to say is, one, capitalism is bad. <laughs> it just is. Um, two, liberalism neoliberalism, these ideas of freedom, uh, I would also argue libertarian uh, political philosophy, these arguments for equality, liberty, freedom, uh, under a free market system, under a capitalist system, um, simply cannot, simply cannot, like, function. Um, because the very premise that any equality can be had under a capitalist system is easily debunked. Because as I just said, because everything in this country costs money and because not everyone is born with the same amount of money and because there's really no true... Uh, assistance programs in this country. Sure, do welfare participants get enough money to survive? Yeah. Do people abuse the welfare system? Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we all saw and are currently seeing during this pandemic millions of people who lost the job because of something they themselves could not have prevented if they tried. Our government could have, but they decided they didn't want to try. Um, and now we have been fighting for months to just get some kind of money. I mean, we got $1,200, and then some of the very lucky of us were able to receive unemployment insurance. 
But again, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, that really only benefited people who were young and didn't really have a lot of bills. Because everything in this country costs a lot of money and they weren't giving us enough money to actually afford those costs. Um, because of that, we are all currently seeing the examples that I am laying out before you in action. And we know that we're not free. We aren't. Because look at people like Donald Trump. Look at people like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, the Waltons. Look at all of these wealthy elites. And then look at your own life. Look at what you have to do in order to afford a meal. Look at what you have to do to afford a day off. Look at what you have to do to afford a medical emergency or a car accident or, you know, a million other things. Look at your material conditions and really ask yourself, am I free? Because at the end of the day, just because you are free to do something does not mean you are able to enjoy that freedom. I mean, if everyone in this country was free to dunk a basketball, but I didn't have any arms, I mean, am I able to be free? If everybody in this country was free to participate in this market system, but only 1% of this country was actually able to afford it, am I actually free? Um, and that, that kind of, that point about material conditions, I'd like to end on that, but I'm because I am trying to educate myself more, I am recently reading a lot of Marx again. Um, I re I've read Capital and I've started the manifesto, but admittedly it's very boring. I mean, if you can't admit that, then you're just a dogmatist, because theory is the most boring thing you can ever read. But it's important, and I'm realizing that. But So material conditions is a very important thing of understanding the world around us and historical materialism is the best way to analyze history while avoiding propaganda but historical materialism is also a concept that we can put into action in our day-to-day -day lives as it we're living them out if we can look at the world and really say what is my reality what is my material conditions or what are my material conditions um and then go, well, there's people in this country who, just because of who they were born to, literally have never had to work a day in their lives. But I, at, you know, 21, have to work 60 hours a week at a smoke shop in order to afford, you know, to move out of my house at 21 years old. In a country where I'm supposed to be out of my house at 18, uh, have a successful full-time job by 22, you know, and basically have a white picket fence in the suburbs with two kids and a beautiful family and maybe even a golden retriever by 23. But, again, I was not one of the lucky ones who was born into wealth. So, and it, it, that's actually kind of even a lie because I was uh, granted, a, again, a very privileged, quote-unquote, middle-class life. But, the world fucking sucks and here we are, you know? So, always understand that the best way to avoid propaganda, the best way to know what change needs to be done is to look at your reality. And I would argue that not a single candidate that we have seen made it to uh, the president's Oval Office has ever been someone who was actually there to affect your material conditions. 
they were there to benefit themselves and their constituents because that, guess what everybody on that stage has a, a, a you know somebody's pocketbook that they took from and have to fill back up I don't care who it is so just remember that um, but yeah uh, if you are still listening I really appreciate you I'm sorry for all the background noise uh, my girlfriend was sleeping and then of course you know then she wasn't um, so I recorded this on the porch and I have a state route that is literally 30 feet away from me so yeah um, thanks for listening I hope any of that made any kind of sense um, I probably should stop smoking before these episodes, but it makes them fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, if you don't already, go ahead and follow me on my social medias. I have Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Uh, annoying Question Boy. Um, I also do a blog. It is Annoying Question Boy, spelled like that, no caps, no spaces, dot blog, spot, B-L-O-G, S-P-O-T, dot com. I also have a YouTube channel, and that's about all I got. Uh, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and let me know. If you didn't, go ahead and let me know. If you have any uh, arguments you'd like to present about the information that I said, you can go ahead and DM me. If you have anything else you'd like to ask, or if you'd like me to do some research and do a discussion on another topic, DM me and let me know. I'm trying to be uh, a man of the people, you know? True leftist. So, uh, hope you guys have a great day. Love you all. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace out.